Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. I think I'm in the right spot. All right, well, uh, good to see you guys, even though I can't really see you good because of the lights, but really good to see you this morning. Good to see you that are online. Uh, Hope you're enjoying a really beautiful day. Today was really nice. Was anybody outside yesterday when the monsoon came? A few people had, uh, yeah, that was like some Florida rain yesterday for about 20 minutes. Uh, I I know there were some people playing rugby uh, that were in the middle of that, so that was probably, that's actually probably good for rugby though, but uh, I'm glad that you're here today and glad that we have such a nice day. Uh, A couple things before we get started and dive into Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, on April 1st, which is, if you didn't know, Noah's birthday, one of the guys up here, right here, actually Noah, right here, Noah's birthday, actually it's also April Fool's Day, Uh, I don't know what that says about Noah, but uh, April Fool's Day as well, but it's also a day that we're going to get an opportunity to, man, really get into our community through a couple of events, and so that morning, uh, we're going to be doing an event here in Yuba City, We're going to use the Raley's parking lot. If you remember a couple years ago, we did this where we basically passed out donuts, candy. There'll be uh, pictures with the Easter bunny. There's a coloring contest. And so we're going to do that on uh, April 1st that morning. And then that afternoon, uh, we've been invited by Plumas Lake to hold and kind of put on their uh, Easter egg event. So several hundred people will be there. So we're going to kind of, we have two teams. We're going to do the event in the afternoon. We're going to do an event in the morning. Great opportunities to just in a real tangible way, love our community, serve our community, get a chance to meet a lot of people. And so next week we'll have some signups that you'll be able to sign up if you want to be involved in one of those. But here's what you can do between now and next week. When you go to Walmart, don't walk by the candy aisle without grabbing a few bags. Grab you a few bags of candy because candy is not cheap. And we have 7,000 Easter eggs that we need to fill. And so that's a lot of candy. So if you, if you get a chance, grab some candy, bring it, and we will put it to good use. And then, like I said, next week, uh, you'll have an opportunity to sign up if you want to actually be involved in helping serve at one of those two events it's going to be a really good opportunity for all of us. So, so that'll be next week. We'll have those signups. Uh, this past week, in fact, last Sunday night, uh, I went down to Folsom, and I was in Folsom from about Sunday night to late on Tuesday night. And I was a part of this event. Uh, it was a, a kind of a ministry assessment team where we had five couples that were looking to be church planners or missionaries. And what they did is they came to this assessment, this two-day assessment, to be interviewed, to do presentations, basically to really open themselves up 
and, and to find out, hey, are, are we ready for this step that we want to take? Is this a good fit for us? And so we, we, I was a part of this for a couple days. And at the end of the two days, we sat down with all five couples. And basically, there were three outcomes. There was a recommend, like, hey, man, you're a great fit for the ministry you want to be a part of. We see the gifts that you have. Hey, man, go, do it, have fun. There's a, there was a conditionally recommend where there was a few couples that we said, you know what, man, you are a good fit, and man, you should get involved in that. But before you do, maybe slow down just a little bit, and here's a few things that you want to do, maybe you want to work on, that will help you as you kind of get going. And then there was at least one couple that we, man, after a couple days of interviews and them just opening up their heart, we said, you know what? Man, we we don't think this is going to be a good fit for you. And we think, man, God wants to use you and there's a great opportunity for you, but it's not in the avenue that you came to, came to talk about. And it was, as you can imagine, it was a pretty emotional process. But it was a really healthy process as people literally opened themselves up to really seek and discern, man, what God wanted for them. And at the end of the the two and a half days, every single one of the couples, whether they got recommended or not, or there were some conditions, every single one of them got about a seven to eight page report with just a ton of encouraging notes, a ton of encouraging words in it. Uh, they got some, some recommendations, some areas that they could kind of, we thought they could grow in. And, and man, just some really good stuff that they had the opportunity to take and do something with it. And, and it was really up to them. They could leave that assessment and they could take the recommendations. They could take the growth opportunities. And they, every single one of them, whether, no matter what the outcome was, had an opportunity to start fresh, to change directions, to, to grow in an area. But they obviously had to make that decision. And, and you may have never, and you may never go through something like what I just described. You, you may never be in an assessment like that. Probably very few of you will. But probably every single one of us, whether it was a life event or whether it was just waking up one morning and looking back at the last few days, every single one of us have had crucial moments in our life where we were given the opportunity to change directions, to to make a fresh start, to, to go down a different path. And like I said, it might have been a big life event like these couples, man. They went to this event and it was a pretty big deal. And, and you might have had some events in your life, we probably all have, where, man, some, something big happened in life and there was an opportunity for us to change directions, to move in a different direction, to maybe start something fresh. Or it just might have been a morning. Whereas you look back at, man, what happened yesterday or last week, you just kind of woke up one morning and said, you know what? It's got to be different. I've got to move in a different direction. I just don't want to do it that way anymore. And probably for all of us, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, every single one of us, our life today reflects the decisions we've made in those moments. Our life today reflects those decisions when we had an opportunity to go this direction or this direction, to start fresh in this area or not start. 
every single one of us, our life now reflects the decisions we made in those moments. And for some of us, man, this is, maybe there's some things that you look back and say, yeah, man, I, I, can, I, I understand that. Yeah, I remember some moments in my life where, man, it was a, a key event or a key moment, and I had to decide what to do, and I'm so glad I decided to go that direction. I'm so glad I, decided, I took advantage of that fresh start. But then there's others of us, and probably all of us at some point in our life, where we were saying, you know what? I miss that opportunity. I had the opportunity for a fresh start. I had the opportunity to change directions, but man, I, I didn't take advantage of it. And here's the beautiful thing. If you're still breathing, no matter what decisions you've made in the past, a fresh start is still available. If you're still breathing, and if you're here, you, you are still breathing. If you're watching online and can actually understand what I'm saying, you're still breathing. It means this, that, that there's always a fresh start available. There's always an opportunity to change directions. But we have to decide. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look in the story of Nehemiah at a moment in the history of Israel, a moment in the history of the story of Nehemiah, where the nation of Israel was in one of those spots. They had just finished the wall that they had come together to rebuild. They had completed the wall about a week earlier. And now they were in a moment where they had to decide, what are they going to do? Are they going to take advantage of this reset, of this fresh start, of this change of direction? Because the history of Israel was one where if they look back on their ancestors, here's what their ancestors did. When, when times were tough, when the pressure was on, when things weren't going well, they leaned into God. They cried out to God. They were desperate for God. But then what happened is they found themselves doing okay and they found themselves prospering. And all throughout their history, you see just seasons where they move away from God and they change directions. And so the people of Nehemiah's day have an opportunity to decide how, what are they going to do? They cried out to God when the wall was broken down, when, when things were a mess in their city, but now the wall's rebuilt. And they have to decide, what are we going to do with this reset? What are we going to do with this fresh start? If you're, if you're new to City Walk or you're new to the story of Nehemiah, basically Nehemiah was a guy who was the cupbearer for a Persian king. He lived about 700 miles away from Jerusalem. One day his brother came to him and said, hey, let me tell you about what's going on at home. And Nehemiah was real interested. His brother came to visit. What's going on at home? And he heard terrible news. He heard heartbreaking news. He heard that the walls of the city, the defense system was broken down. He heard that the people were hurting and desperate. And so through a variety of different circumstances and God just moving in incredible ways God allowed Nehemiah after a season of prayer and fasting to go back to Jerusalem and lead the nation in rebuilding the wall and in the midst of them rebuilding and we've seen over the last few weeks there was tremendous opposition it was never easy there were enemies that tried to emotionally and physically intimidate them 
But they finished the wall after 52 days of working together, linking arms and working together as families. They finished the wall. And now they have the opportunity to make a fresh start. And Nehemiah picks up in Nehemiah chapter 8, and he tells us what they do with this unique opportunity that they've been given. It says this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. It says, All the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. So the walls rebuilt. This is about a week after they finished. And so now they have a decision. What are they going to do? And here's what it says. It says they, they, they ask Ezra, who's the scribe. He moved back to Jerusalem about a decade or two before Nehemiah. And they ask Ezra, so they say, Ezra, hey, would you get the book of Moses, the book of the law, which, which for them was probably the first five books of what we have in our English Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's probably what it was. And it wasn't a book. It was probably a scroll. And they said, hey, hey Ezra, would you, would you grab that, that scroll? Would you grab the, the law of Moses? And, and would you bring it? We're going to ask you to read it to us. And, and look at what happens. It says this on, on verse 2. On the first day of the seventh month, which to them was our equivalent of New Year's Day. It was the Feast of Trumpets. It was kind of like New Year's Day, kind of a fresh start day. It says the priest, Ezra, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. So these, these people came together, and Ezra, he did what they asked him. He brought the law, brought the scroll. And there was probably between thirty and 50,000 people at this gathering. And, it, and it, was, it was moms, it was dads, it was kids, people that could understand. And so they all, they all come together, about 50,000 strong. And it says this, while he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out loud out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, women, and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively. They listened closely to the book of the law. See, Ezra, he, he had chosen an area where everybody could come to. So there were parts of the temple that not everybody would have been able to access, but what Ezra did is he chose an area that it didn't matter who you were, didn't matter where you were from, like you could access this area, you could come. And so, man, all these people gathered together. He, he has this, this book of the law, which is, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament. And, and he, for six hours, six hours, he reads to these people. They say, man, would you, we want you to read this. And so he does. And so, I mean, imagine, imagine if you're a mom. They didn't have no screens. It wasn't like, like Junior's getting a little, like, he wants to run around. Here, buddy, watch this while we listen. No, it was six hours of mom, dad, and the kids, people that could understand, gathered around Ezra, and he's reading for six hours from the law, from Genesis through Deuteronomy. And it says this in verse 4. The scribe Ezra, he, he stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. So he's literally, they, for lack of a better word, they built a stage. This is a stage that he and about 13 other people, other kind of spiritual leaders were on this stage. 
up a little bit high so people could see him. Obviously, they don't have microphones. And so, man, you're talking 30 to 50,000 people. And Ezra's reading aloud for six hours the scriptures. It says this in verse 5. Ezra opened the book, the scroll, in, in full view of all the people, since he was elevate, elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Imagine that. Just put, kind of put yourself here. You have all these people, they're sitting down. They've asked Ezra, Ezra, would you come and would you read the scriptures to us? And as they see him start to open the scroll out of respect for God's word, they literally, the whole crowd just stands up to listen. Because, man, this isn't Ezra's opinions. This is God's word. And there's, there's an honor and respect for it. So all these people stand up. And it says this. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen and Amen. Then they knelt low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So he's, first they get up, he begins to read, and they, they all yell, Amen and Amen, which is basically saying, Yes, so be it, we agree. It's basically what they're saying. And in this moment, and I don't know if it was every single person, I mean, it would be incredible to watch, but these people literally just, out of worship for God and respect for God's word, they literally face down, get face down on the ground. It was a moment that, man, if you were to have been there, it would have been awesome to see. And then here's what's cool. If you read over the next few phrases, it lists a bunch of names of people that are really hard to pronounce. It lists a bunch of those names, and, and here's what happens. After Ezra has read, read to thirty to 50,000 people, I mean, these people are overwhelmed. They're respectful. They, they literally lay down to, to worship and just in honor of what the word was saying. Then all of a sudden, here's what happens. It says this. These, these individuals, they explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. So you have this huge crowd, 30 to 50,000 people, and Ezra's reading, and he's, you know, as best he can so they can hear. But then all of a sudden, after he's done reading, or maybe he takes breaks kind of in the middle of sections, you, you see all these different spiritual leaders that they go throughout the crowd and they get into smaller groups and they literally take time to explain. For some, it was translating language. For some, it was just explaining the meaning. And you have little kids all the way up to moms and dads. And these people are, man, they're, they're having city groups, basically. I mean, they're, they're sitting down and they're, someone is explaining the word of God to them so that they can really understand what it's saying. Again, it must have just been cool to, to watch this happen. As Ezra reads, and then all these people, and, and they just break these people down into small groups, and someone explains the word of God. And, and here's what was probably cool. And maybe you've experienced this yourself. When you read something, and then someone explains it to you, and a light bulb comes on. I mean, you got 30 to 50,000 people. They've just heard the word of God. And now somebody's around them explaining and light bulbs are coming on. They're, they're connecting with what it really said. 
And, and then it goes on and it says this, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy. This day, it's special. It's set apart. It's holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Just imagine. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where you read something, whether it's from the scriptures or something else, where you're, you're reading something and you don't quite get it, or you're watching a movie and you don't quite get it, but then all of a sudden you get it. And it, it, it makes you emotional. Like you get the meaning of the movie and it, it, it makes you emotional. You're reading something and, and you start to understand it and it's overwhelming to you and it makes you emotional. That's what's happening to these people. They're, they're reading the law. They're hearing the law read to them. And then these people are explaining them to them what the truth of God's word says. And they're, they're, what, when they begin to understand this, they're overwhelmed and they begin to weep. They begin to cry. They begin to be broken. And, and what the leader said is, man, don't, don't mourn. Don't weep. Because here's what was happening. These people were beginning to understand their own sin. They were beginning to understand the things that were broken in them. They were beginning to take God's word and to use it as a mirror. And they were looking into the mirror and they were realizing, as they thought of the history of their nation, all the bad things that had happened and how they and their ancestors had disobeyed God and had, had gone their own way. And as they were realizing this, as they were coming to this, it began to just break their hearts where their reaction was they wept over it. They wept. See, the Jewish people were coming face to face with sin. They were coming face to face with their role in the downfall of their nation. They were beginning to understand that sin kills, that it crushes, that it hurts. And they understood that it wasn't something that should just be played off or pretend that it wasn't a big deal because they had experienced the hurt. They had experienced the consequences and they knew it was a big deal and it broke them as they read about it. As they read about, man, we didn't do what this is saying. We chose to go our own way. Our ancestors didn't do what this is saying. And because of that, we're in this position. And because of that, there's been tragedy in our nation. And this broke them. Because... They were admitting and they were transparent that, man, they were sinful. And here's what's cool. Sometimes we, if we're honest, man, we do not want to admit that. I mean, think about it. Think about it just in your family. So I'll use, I'll use me and Lori as an example. Like when I do something wrong, and that's frequently, I, I mean, it's pretty frequently, at least, at least a couple times a week. Uh, and, and I mean, is anybody in here like when they do something wrong, they, they say something they shouldn't or do something they shouldn't? Is anybody like, you know what? I just do that because I love to go back to them and apologize and admit my sin. 
So I actually do things on wrong, wrong on purpose because I just love to do that. No. Like, like instead of admitting that we're wrong, even when we know we're wrong and being broken over our part in the, the, the mess, if you're like me, you have a, a spot in your brain that can, can manipulate anything, can make anything look better than it really is, can make your part look better than it really is. And, and, and so, man, really, when you come to that place where you realize, no, I was wrong. My sin caused this. That is not a fun place to get to, but it's a very freeing place. It hurts, but it's freeing. And that's where these people are. They're in a spot where they're, as they're hearing the law, and for some of them, maybe for the first time in a long time, they're hearing the words of God. They're realizing that, man, it, it's not just, oh, I hear it and I'm kind of blowing it off. No, I'm, I'm listening intently. And as I listen intently, God is using his word to prick my heart and to point out areas of my life that are wrong or not going his way. And, 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 and Nehemiah in this moment and Ezra in this moment, it says, man, instead of being sad, instead of weeping, and let's, let's party. This is a special day because yes, yes, you've sinned. Yes, we screwed this thing up. Yes, we went our own direction. Yes, all this is kind of because of our own choices. But God has been so merciful and good to our nation. And so let's party. Let's celebrate. This is not a time to weep. It's a time to celebrate how good God has been in the midst of our sin. It's a time to celebrate his grace and mercy. And that's where they're at. And so Nehemiah's like, man, put the tissues away. Let's go. Let's have fun. Let's party. He says this. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich and drink what is sweet and send portions to those who have nothing prepared since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, there's a connection between holiness and joy. There's a connection between God's grace and his mercy as we, we come to the point where we admit that we are fallen and mistaken and sinful. And yet on the other side of that, admitting that there's a place of joy because of grace. And that's where they're at. And Nehemiah is like, come on, man. For me, it'd be like, get the ginger ale out, dude. It is time. To have a good time for you, it might be a different drink. But man, it's, it's a point, it's go. There's no reason to whine and cry. And it says this, verse 11. So they're celebrating. It says, and the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still since today is holy. Don't grieve. Then all the people begin to eat and drink, send portions and have a great celebration. Why? Because they had understood the words that were explained to them. You see, can you see the scene? Yeah, I mean, what, what an emotional roller coaster this day has been for them. It starts by them saying, hey, uh, Ezra, could you go grab that scroll? We're, we're just kind of all going to gather up. Would you mind just reading to us for about six hours? Sure, yeah, I'll be glad to. And as he begins to read, they really listen. And man, they, they, it begins to 
infect them in a good way. They realize where they are wrong. They realize how good God is. They begin to break over their own sin. But in the midst of that, they realize how gracious God has been. And so now 30 to 50,000 people strong, it's party time. And everyone's excited celebrating God. This is a pretty big party. And it says this, after, after this has happened, man, I don't know how long, late the party went. But, but they're in the midst of a time where they're all farmers. They got a lot of harvest. So party's over. Everybody kind of heads back. And then the next morning, some of the nation's leaders, some of the spiritual leaders, kind of the heads of each family come together as everybody else has kind of gone back and the, the people have scattered to their home and to their work and jobs. And now verse 13 says, on the second day, the family heads of all the people, along with the priests and Levites, assembled before the scribe Ezra to study the words of the law. So now you have all, all the people have scattered back, but kind of the, 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 the leaders of the families, the, some of the spiritual leaders, a much smaller group, people that had a responsibility to teach, they come together and they, man, they study and it says this, as they're studying, they're just studying this. It says, they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should dwell in shelters during the festival of the seventh month. And so here's what's happening. So they're, they're reading this, and for some of them, maybe it's the first time, and, and as they're reading it, they realize, we skipped Christmas. Not really, but it'd be like us. It'd be like us reading and realizing, oh, there, there's a thing about Christmas. We, we, we've never celebrated Christmas, Jesus' birth. Like, we skipped Christmas. For them, it was a, called the Festival of Tabernacles. They're reading God's word and they're studying it and they realize, oh, there's a huge celebration that points back to when God rescued us from Egypt and God commanded us to celebrate this so we would remember. And we haven't done that. And so they're, they're reading and they, they realize, man, there's a very special day and a very special celebration that, man, we've just skipped. And so they, here's what, as you, you read, here's what you realize. As they're reading the Bible, and, and again, it's just portion of what we have, they're not reading it looking for suggestions. They're reading it as if, if it says it, we need to do it. Sometimes we read it like, oh, let me see, let me kind of feel this thing out, what I really like today. But they're reading it like they're, they're gaining information, they're understanding this better, and they realize, man, we, we skipped this. Man, we got to do something about this. God's commanded us to, to have this festival of tabernacles that will help us remember how God rescued us from hundreds of years of slavery and gave us a promised land. We, we, we haven't even celebrated this. So it says this, verse 15. So they proclaim and they spread the news, man. Guys, we blew it. We, we haven't been telling you about this. They, they spread the news throughout the towns and in Jerusalem saying, go out to the hill country, bring back branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make shelters just as it is written. It says this in verse 16, the people went out, they brought back branches they made shelters for themselves on each of their rooftops. So most of their roofs were flat. And part of this festival was actually building a fort. I mean, this was like the greatest day ever for a little boy in Israel. Like everybody's building a fort. This is what we're told to do. This is awesome. 
So they're supposed to build this little shelter and they're supposed to live in it for a few days. And living in that little shelter is one of the ways they remember living in those types of shelters as they were being rescued from slavery and they spent some time in the desert. And so it says, hey, go, go get all the branches, whatever you need. And so they do. They, they build these on the rooftops and courtyards. The court of the house of God, the square by the water gate, and the square by the Ephraim gate. So literally, just imagine. Imagine Yuba City. Like if you were to go out and everybody had a fort built in their front yard. Just everybody. Few of you that have a flat roof, maybe you put it on the top of the roof, but, but just there's a time in our year, almost like Christmas lights or a Christmas tree, where everybody that kind of believes the same things that you believe and it's kind of part of maybe following Jesus, everybody's building this, for lack of a better word, like a fort, and they're kind of living in it for a few days. It's just part of the deal, and that's what these people are doing. It says the whole community that had returned from exile, made shelters, and lived in them. The Israelites, they had not celebrated like this from the days of Joshua. I mean, it has been hundreds of years since they've celebrated this the way that they're supposed to. And it says this, that that there was tremendous joy. They were just so thankful to, to know what God's word was saying and to be able to obey it. Verse 18 closes this way. It says, Ezra read out of the book of the law of God every day from the first day to the last. The Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. After what had been a really rough few hundred years for these people. The the Jewish people, the Israelites, they had this opportunity to reset. They had an opportunity to restart as families, to get a, a fresh start as a nation. They had that opportunity, one of those moments in life that they had to decide what were they going to do in this moment. Were they going to reset? Were they going to restart? Were they going to go the direction that God wanted them to? What were they going to do? They they had this opportunity. And instead of going back to business as usual, they took some very helpful first steps. Instead of going back and kind of following the same plan that the nation of Israel had followed kind of in the past, they intentionally changed directions and they took some steps to take advantage of this fresh start, to do things differently. So we sit here, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning, 2,500 years later, about. About 2,500 years ago. And as we sit here, you know, some 2,500 years later, the pattern for changing direction and kind of getting a fresh start has not changed since 2,500 years ago. So so you might be saying, so does that mean like, if I'm going to change directions, Chris, I need to have someone read the Bible to me for six hours and go out in my front yard and build a fort. No, I mean, that might be fun. We could do that. That, that might be cool. But, but no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But, but here's 
I'm saying there's a couple things that we can learn from them that as we, whether it's just a new day and it's like, man, I'm not real happy with how life went yesterday. I have an opportunity to make a fresh start. Or whether it's one of those big moments in life where those kind of monumental life events that just give us that opportunity to change directions or make a fresh start or go a different direction. There's a couple things that we can learn from the Israelite nation, from the Jewish people that, man, that plays just the same 2,500 years later. And here's the first one. You want to make a fresh start? You want to go a different direction? Whether it's a, a big life event or you just look at yesterday and you think, man, that did not go well. Something's got to change. First thing we learn is this. Put time into reading and understanding God's Word. See, see, the Bible isn't a fluffy book. It's not a self-help book, kind of a self-help book. It's a book about God. It's rich. And it's worth understanding and studying. It doesn't mean that you have to be a scholar. It doesn't mean that you have to set aside hours a day trying to go so deep in it. It doesn't mean that. But here's what it means. It means that that you make the word of God a priority and that you read it with the eyes and the desire to not just read it so you can check a box, but to understand it so it can change you. It's read with the heart to understand what is God saying. There's a few tools. I wanted to show you a few of them. That, that if you're new to this or you're like, man, I'd, I'd like, to, like to dive in a little bit. I'd like to understand better. Maybe you're just looking for a tool. Well, let me, let me share with you a few tools that I use. One is uh, the, the Version Bible app. So this is Version Bible app. It's, it's a free app. And whether you have Android or an Apple phone, you can go in. Version free Bible app. And one of the things I love is when I open my YouVersion Bible app every single day, this is, and if you do it, you probably, some of you do the same thing. Every single day, there's this thing, it just says daily refresh. And what it does, it gives you a a short verse, gives you like a two to three minute video, somebody different kind of explaining the verse, giving you just some insight into it. And then it gives you some just guided prayer. So if you're like, man, I've never really prayed. I don't even know how to start. It actually just guides you. If you can click next, you can use this. It's a great tool. Again, if you're interested in reading so that you understand, I'd encourage you to download it. Download version and dive in. This is something that I use, different people in my family use. It's a great free tool that will help you not just read the Word of God, but it will help you understand it. And here's how long this is going to take you. It's going to take you about six, seven minutes a day, max. And so if, man, you're like, man, I'm just kind of getting into this thing, go for it. Uh, Here's another tool, something I use, several of us use. If you're looking for a study Bible, you're like, man, I got this Bible. It's kind of like King James. It's like a lot of these and thous, and there's not really any notes to help me understand it. And so I read it, and I'm like, "I, I don't even know, like, what this means. Man, well, this is a great tool. It's a study Bible. And what it does is it gives you the passages, but then it gives you a bunch of notes on, hey, here's what this passage means. Here's how this applies to your life. Here's some insight. Not, not long, not hours, but just every verse has some little, little notes that help you. 
This is a tool I use, I won't say every day, but probably 95% of the days in my year, this is a tool I use. It's our teaching team. It's a tool that they use. It's, it's an easy thing to use. This will cost you about $35 on Amazon. Great tool. Another tool that we've, we've, we've offered is there's that Nehemiah journal. If you haven't picked up the Nehemiah journal, well, at this point, we'll just give it to you for free. We got a few at the next steps, just a little devotional that, man, will help you understand Nehemiah better. And so the first thing, man, this is, it's not like rocket science. You're like, man, that wasn't anything new, Chris. That wasn't like super insightful that I've never heard. But, but the first thing we can learn from these guys is that, man, we need to put time into reading, not just to read and check a box, but we want to understand God's word. We want to put time into that. It's worth it. It's another reason we have city groups. Our city groups are built around the idea that we take what we talk about Sunday and we just understand it better. So that's one thing. But here's the second thing. And that, that one was the easy one. So, so you good? You can say that's you ready for the, the one that's a little tougher, a little, little bit tougher. But here's the second thing we can learn from the people of Nehemiah's day about what to do and take advantage of fresh starts. And here's the second one. Put your yes on the table when you spend time in God's word. See, the people of Nehemiah, when they read God's word, they didn't read it as, a, as it, like a, a restaurant menu. So for instance, some of you today, you're going to go out to eat. You're gonna, somebody's going to hand you a menu. And here's what you're going to think. Same thing I'll, I'll think. What am I in the mood for today? You're going to like, you know what? Not really in the mood for that. That's a little too expensive. This sounds good, but it's between this and this. And, and you, you know, just like you do every time when you go to a restaurant, you're going to make a decision based on kind of what you're in the mood for. And sometimes we, we read the word of God the same way. We, we open up God's word and it's like, you know what? What am I in the mood for today? I made some horrible financial decisions this last week. So if I could get two verses on God's peace, maybe a verse on God supplying all my needs, that's what I'd like today. This whole, that part about loving your neighbor and not lusting after women, I'll leave that maybe another day. Not really in the mood for that today. And sometimes we, we read the word of God almost like we would a, a restaurant menu. Instead of coming to the word of God and saying, before I open your word this morning, God, the answer is yes. Whatever you say, whatever you show me, whatever part of my heart you prick, the answer is yes. It's not if I'm in the mood for it. It's not if it's not too hard. It's not, no, it's yes. The answer is yes. See, Instead of a menu that we pick and choose from based on our mood, what if we put our yes on the table first? You'll see this quote. It's kind of a prayer that you could say, God, as I read and seek to understand your word, the answer is yes to what you show me. Like I said, this is a little harder. Oh, I'll buy that study Bible all day. Download that app. Already did it. Say yes before I even open God's word. Not sure. This is what the people of Nehemiah's day did. 
They didn't read God's word and look for some suggestions. They read it as if this is what God wants me to do. So no matter who you are, no matter what your past is, if you're still breathing, you have an opportunity to take a fresh start. You have an opportunity to change directions. And it's not because of anything that I've done or you've done. It's the reason we have an opportunity to have a fresh start if we're still breathing is because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose from the grave for us. It's what gives us the opportunity while we're still alive to make a change. So do you need a fresh start? Maybe for you, like your life's going this way and you need one of those monumental like changes. Or maybe it's just, you know, you look at the last few days and you think, man, glad nobody knows what's been going on in my life the last few days. Glad nobody knows the decisions that I made the last few days. And for you, it's, there's something in you that just knows, I just got to go a different direction. It's just not working. I, I just got to change. No matter where you are, if you're ready to make a fresh start, I would encourage you to learn from the people of Nehemiah's day and begin spending time reading and seeking to understand God's word. And then by putting your yes on the table. Because like the nation of Israel, God, he's inviting us into his best. But he will not twist our arm. He invites us into it. He's ready to give us his best. But he will not twist our arm. And we, I promise you this, we will not regret getting to know him better and saying yes to his plan. You won't regret it. You will not regret at the end of your life. You won't regret at the end of this week saying yes to God and, and doing what he said and going his direction. You will monumentally regret it and you will hurt a lot of people with you if you decide to do the other. So let's follow the example of the people of Nehemiah. And let's read with the, the mindset to understand and then let's, before we even read, let's put our yes on the table. And when we put our yes on the table, here's what we're saying to God. I trust you. I trust you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for just the story of Nehemiah. And Lord, these were not perfect people. These were people that made just monumentally bad decisions throughout their history. But yet, God, in your graciousness and in your mercy, you gave the nation of Israel an opportunity to start again, to have a reset, to go a different direction. And they decided to take advantage of it. Maybe you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online. And you'd say, Chris, man, I have a relationship with God. There's been a time in my life where I have decided to believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose from the grave, and I put my faith and trust in that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found yourself reading God's word almost like a menu? I know I have. Where if you're honest, you, you kind of read God's word and look for suggestions and look for maybe some good helpful tidbits and 
but you don't read it to just allow God to change your life and to allow God to line up your life. So, so here's the question. What if, what if right now, but just before you leave, what if right now in the quietness of this room, you put your yes on the table? You just said yes. And then over this next week, you made it a priority, whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes, that you made it a priority to spend time in God's word, not to check it off a list, not so you could tell somebody else you did it, but you spent time in God's word with the heart and passion to understand and obey. What if you just said yes? Just right now. See, the enemy wants you to think, I'll wait, I'll make that decision later. Because he knows God has some real good for you. And he sure doesn't want you to take advantage of it. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online. You would say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with God. And for you, your, your first yes is that. It's a, it's a yes to a relationship. It's a yes to saying, God, man, I, I've done things my way. I've, I've kind of tried to do it my own way. And, and you know what? I've come to a spot where I realize that, man, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I have gone my own way. I've tried to do things differently than what you said. But God, I, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus. He died on a cross for my sin, that he rose from the grave. And I'm done doing it my way. I want you to come into my life and transform me. I want a relationship with you. Yes. If you're here or you're watching online and that's you, and you're ready to say yes, maybe for you, everybody already thinks you did, but in your heart, you know you've never really said yes. You've never really stepped over the line just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching, would you just say something like this to God in your heart to His? God, I admit that I've sinned. I admit I've disobeyed You. Just tell Him. And then just tell Him, God, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that He did that for me. And then just invite him. Just say yes. Say yes, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're watching online and you say, Chris, today I've made that decision. You can just go to citywalk.cc. There's a little decision card there. We'd love to know about your decision. We'd love to rejoice with you. If you're here this morning, you, right in front of you, there's a card that says decision. And if you've prayed and you've made that decision to follow Jesus, would you mind filling that card out? Just drop it in the offering basket or take it to the next steps table on your way out. We just, well, again, want to rejoice with you. We're so thankful that you said yes. Lord, Help us today, Lord, whatever's holding us back in this moment, whatever sin, whatever fear, whatever's holding us back in this moment from saying yes, God, I pray that you would destroy that. In Jesus' name, amen.